This is Finding Center, a daily hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is the physical and spiritual natures of our bodies. In the first half, Gerald Cosset shares his address, Harmony of Body and Spirit, a Key to Happiness. Then in the second half, Keith J. Karen speaks on ultimate health, God's gift and our personal responsibility. My dear brothers and sisters, I am thrilled to be with you today on this magnificent campus with my dear wife, Valerie. For the presiding bishop of the church, these types of speaking occasions are fairly rare, so I feel greatly honored and very blessed to have this opportunity to address you. Today, I want to share some thoughts on how to build harmony between our bodies and our spirits, which is key to finding true happiness both in our mortal existence and in the life to come. I recently rewatched the movie Beauty and the Beast. I really enjoyed this movie, and not only because it takes place in France or because I can easily relate to Lumiere's funny accent. I believe Belle is a lot like you. She is bright and independent, an avid reader, and anxious to learn about the world. At the same time, she often feels different from those around her. She is blessed to have a generous and compassionate spirit. She likes authenticity and has no taste for worldly affectations or for what the Book of Mormon calls the vain things of the world, whether it be power, material wealth, or obsession with physical appearance. Belle is taken prisoner in a haunted castle by a hideous and repulsive beast. Is none other than a young prince who, because of a spell, is trapped in the body of a terrifying monster. Belle does not judge the beast and is able to see beyond his repugnant appearance. She understands that his embittered character, his rude manners, and his fits of anger are only a facade that hide a tortured soul who only desires to love. Under the soothing influence of Belle, an astonishing transformation takes place in the beast, one that begins in the very depths of his soul and eventually results in a complete physical transformation. Because of Belle's love, the spell is broken, and the young prince regains his original appearance to the great delight of the people who come to hail their new king and queen. I love the underlying message of the film, which can help us as we search for genuine and enduring happiness. Each of us is made up of two elements, the physical body and the spirit. And these two parts of every human being are closely connected and have a very intimate and reciprocal relationship. The beast's physical body, with which the prince had been encumbered, made him grumpy and asocial. But when his heart changed and he was able to recover his joyful and sociable nature, his physical appearance also changed. This applies to all of us. Our physical condition can profoundly influence our spiritual wellness. Conversely, our spiritual strengths and the feelings of our hearts deeply affect our physical well-being. In other words, the beautiful harmony that can exist between our physical and spiritual natures is an important condition for finding true happiness in our mortal journey and in the eternities to come. 
this important principle is at the core of the doctrine taught by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. As explained in Doctrine and Covenants, quote, For man is spirit. The elements are eternal, and spirit and element, inseparably connected, receive a fullness of joy. And when separated, man cannot receive a fullness of joy. Close quote. The scripture refers to the joy we can all experience at the time of our resurrection, when our bodies and our spirits are united again. I believe it also applies to our mortal existence and the joy and fulfillment we may experience when there is complete harmony between the spiritual and the temporal sides of our natures, which results from being in harmony with the Lord. In the Christian world, some believe that our bodies are a hindrance to the elevation of our spirits. Those with this view feel that we should keep our lives free from the contamination of physical elements, which they see as fundamentally carnal and evil. Certainly, as Alma taught his son Corianton, quote, all men that are in a state of nature, or I would say in a carnal state, are in the goal of bitterness and in the bonds of iniquity. They are without God in the world, and they have gone contrary to the nature of God. Therefore, they are in a state contrary to the nature of happiness. Close quote. But just because we are physical beings does not mean we are consigned to be carnal and evil. Modern revelation, as expressed by former First Presidency member Hugh B. Brown, clarifies that, I quote, matter is not essentially evil, but its purpose is to serve the spirit. There is a beneficent and internal relationship between spirit and element, close quote. In reality, the spirit cannot be made perfect without the body. President Joseph F. Smith said, quote, The spirit without the body is not perfect. It is not capacitated without the body to possess a fullness of the glory of God, and therefore it cannot, without the body, fulfill its destiny. Close quote. God and His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, are both immortal and glorified beings, endowed with bodies of flesh and bones. And it is through that same condition of the perfect and everlasting union between body and spirit that we, too, can one day become exalted beings. The purpose of our lives, therefore, is not to disavow our physical natures, but to bring them in harmony with our spirits. My dear brothers and sisters, I invite you to do a little introspection. What is the relationship between your physical and your spiritual natures? How do they influence each other? How can you build harmony between these two sides of yourselves? Let's review a few principles I believe will guide you in answering these important questions. First principle. Our spiritual strength influences our physical well-being. To suffocate, to feel oppressed, to be a bundle of nerves, to have a knot in one's stomach, to jump for joy, or to be tickled pink, all these expressions rightly reference the constant interrelationship between the spirit and the body. Our inner thoughts, feelings, and emotions translate most often into physical sensations, whether positive or negative. 
Like me, you may have noticed that goodness radiates a certain kind of beauty. Is it not remarkable that our noble feelings become reflected in our physical appearance? Those with pure and chargeable hearts have a lovely countenance that is charming, attractive, and draws people to them. I'm not speaking about beauty as defined by the world, which values only the perfection in the outward form and disregards the inner spirit. Rather, I'm speaking of the beauty people radiate because of their inner wholesomeness. I like what Victor Hugo said, quote, No external grace is complete unless it is vivified by interior beauty. The beauty of the soul spreads like mysterious light on the beauty of the body. Close quote. A few years ago, our family spent a few days at the Domaine des Écureuils. It's a bed and breakfast establishment situated in the heart of a beautiful park in Dordogne, a picturesque region in southwest France. When we arrived, we were captivated by the beauty that flowed from the old stone structure surrounded by majestic trees and fragrant uh, flower beds. We immediately felt peaceful and happy, as though we were in the middle of a little paradise. The next day, in looking more closely at the place, I began to see some imperfections. Some walls were falling apart. The alignment of stones was imperfect and rickety, and here and there, the vegetation had come out of the pots to climb along the walls and stairs. Despite everything, a peaceful spirit and an amazing light flowed from the scene, making it a harmonious and almost idyllic setting. The true beauty was not in the perfection of the physical forms. Rather, it was in the purity, the harmony, the radiance and the light that emanated from them. In our journey through life, we must be careful not to give in to the norms of the world that the world wants to impose upon us. True beauty is the result of a subtle alchemy and a delicate balance, which in large part comes from our personal inner light rather than from aesthetic or physical criteria alone. I recently read a remarkable account of the life of the French writer Jacques Lucero. At the age of seven, Jacques fell, while at school, striking the corner of his teacher's desk. The violent blow caused a serious injury to his eyes, leaving him completely and permanently blind. Being blind was not at all what I imagined, Jacques later wrote. People told me that to be blind meant not to see. Yet, I saw. Not immediately, I admit, but in time, I became aware of the radiance. Light was there along with joy. As Jacques grew, because of his blindness, he acquired what he called a sense of human beings. This sense helped him see people through the tone of their voices. This gift became vital when he was 15 years old and the Nazi regime occupied Paris in June 1940. Although very young, he and his friends formed an underground resistance movement and chose Jacques to be their leader. Of that time, he wrote, Every day, including Sunday, I got up before it was light. The first thing I did was kneel down and pray, saying, My God, give me the strength to keep my promises. Now that 
Twenty young men are waiting for my orders. Tell me what orders to give them. By myself? I know how to do almost nothing, but if you will it, I'm capable of almost everything. Close quote. All who were nominated to join the movement had to first meet with the blind men. Jacques would listen not so much to their words as their souls. In one year, this organization of 20 grew to over 600. There was just one man he admitted to the movement of whom he was not absolutely sure, and it was that man who later betrayed them. Jacques and his companions were arrested by the Gestapo in 1943. They were shipped to Buchenwald with 2,000 other Frenchmen. Only 30 of those 2,000 were alive when the camp was liberated. Jacques was 20 years old. He had suffered through one of the darkest periods in modern history and had been on the brink of death. Nevertheless, he wrote, quote, I have not a single evil memory of those 330 days of extreme wretchedness. I was carried by a hand, covered by a wing. I became free to help others. I could show them how to go about holding on to life, turn them toward the flow of light and joy which had grown so abundant in me. Close quote. Jacques was like those of whom Isaiah spoke when he said, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. We can all learn to live by that light, for, as the Savior taught, and if your eye be single to my glory, your whole bodies shall be filled with light, and there shall be no darkness in you, and that body which is filled with light comprehendeth all things. Close quote. Like Jacques, we all can find within ourselves the spiritual resources needed to develop and magnify our physical abilities. Some of us may be suffering from sickness or other physical adversity. Many, if not most of us, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, see something we do not like. Please do not allow perceived physical imperfection to define you. Strengthening your inner light should be your focus. By doing so, you will develop an inward beauty that radiates in your outward appearance, improves your physical well-being, invigorates your natural senses, and makes you a happier person. Now, second principle. Our physical appearance impacts our spirituality and that of those around us. The popular belief is that clothes don't make the man. However, our outward appearance is not insignificant. The manner in which we take care of our bodies, the way in which we dress and how we behave, all have a significant influence on our personal spirituality and thus impact those around us. It is no coincidence that we have everyday guidelines in the church to help us preserve our spirituality in connection with our physical appearance. For example, Missionaries and church university students like you are given guidelines pertaining to the way you dress and your physical appearance. The youth of the church are encouraged to follow principles in For the Strength of Youth, which deal with multiple practical issues such as dress and appearance, language, music and dancing, and physical health. 
In his first epistle to the Corinthians, Paul wrote, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Close quote. To glorify God in our bodies is to put our external appearance and behavior in tune with our highest spiritual desires. By so doing, we allow the Spirit of God to reside in us. The Spirit enlightens us and we become lights for others. I was touched by the personal story told to me by Sean, a former ministering brother to our family. Sean grew up in a family of church members who were less active. And during his youth, he almost never attended church. After graduating from high school, he began attending the University of Utah, living the carefree lifestyle of a worldly young man. He was blessed to get a part-time job cleaning windows in an office building every night. The building was located on South Temple Street, right across from the Salt Lake Temple. While he was cleaning the window panes, Sean often had a view that looked down over the temple, and he started observing and paying attention to the individuals who came out of the temple. He became impressed with the countenances of those individuals. They were all dressed in their very best Sunday clothes and had peaceful expressions on their faces. They seemed filled with joy and with light. Often, he asked himself what they were doing inside the temple that made them so joyful when they came out. In contrast, Sean got in the habit of going to a student nightclub several evenings each week. This club was not a calm or serene place. The ambience was often rowdy, filled with the odor of alcohol and dominated by the boisterous conversations of his patrons. One evening, while he was sitting at a table with friends, they came up with an idea. It was the idea to pin a photograph of the Salt Lake Temple on the wall. Then, they started throwing darts at the image, accompanied by their insults and hateful words. Sean began to feel extremely uncomfortable. Something inspired him to stand up and leave that unhallowed environment. When his friends asked him why he was leaving, without hesitation he said, Someday, I hope to have a family. And if I am ever blessed to have daughters, I hope that none of them will ever marry guys like you. One more question came. What do you think you are going? He turned back to the group, pointed to the picture of the temple on the wall and said, I'm going there. Then he left the club while they heard insults and jeers at him. When he got into his car, he took a deep breath. And at that very moment, he knew exactly what he needed to do and where he needed to go. Within a few weeks, he came back to the church and decided to serve a full-time mission. Today, Sean is the happy father of a family deeply anchored in the gospel. When his friends ask what gave him the courage to leave his previous lifestyle, he replies without hesitation, It is the spirit that I felt when I looked at the house of the Lord and watched the dress and countenances of the people who came out of it. 
My young brothers and sisters, I encourage you to pay careful attention to the physical image and appearance that you present to the world. It may directly influence your spiritual life and the lives of those around you. Now, third principle. The Lord recognizes the importance of both temporal and spiritual principles. Because of the constant interaction that exists between the temporal and the spiritual aspects of our lives, it is no surprise that the Church not only teaches spiritual principles, but also provides counsel with respect to the most practical aspects of our daily lives. Church teachings include many commandments and principles that are both spiritual and temporal in nature, such as the word of wisdom, tithing, the law of the fast, the need for education and employment, proper handling of family finances, emergency preparedness, food storage, and many others. Section 88 of the Doctrine and Covenants even includes counsel on how we should manage our sleep, stating, Cease to sleep longer than is needful. Retire to thy bed early, that ye may not be weary. Arise early, that your bodies and your minds may be invigorated. Close quote. Allow me to emphasize two important gospel principles that pertain to the way we respect our bodies. These principles can have a huge impact on our mortal well-being and eternal destiny. First principle, take care of your health. The Church General Handbook states the following, The Lord has commanded members to take care of their minds and bodies. They should obey the word of wisdom, eat nutritious food, exercise regularly, control their weight, and get adequate sleep. They should shun substances or practices that abuse their bodies or minds and that could lead to addiction. They should practice good sanitation and hygiene and obtain adequate medical and dental care. Close quote. Some of you might think that as young people, you are immune to physical troubles. On the contrary, the habits you establish now pertaining to your personal well-being will impact you both temporally and spiritually for the rest of your lives. Your focus should not be on following the vain trends of the world. It is not simply a question of losing some fat here or there or weightlifting an additional 20 pounds to appear as buff as your roommate. The goal is to feel better and to find a temporal and spiritual equilibrium. This will give you a best chance to have a lifetime of good health, which in turn will bring you joy and confidence in your mortal abilities and a better awareness of your eternal potential. Second principle, be sexually pure. My young friends, your bodies have been blessed with the sacred power to give life. As President Boyd K. Packer so marvelously put it, quote, the capacity to kindle other lives is a supernal blessing. This power is not an incidental part of the plan of happiness. It is the key, the very key. Whether this power is used as the eternal laws require will forever determine who one will become. Close quote. Physical intimacy between a man and a woman can be a beautiful and marvelous experience when it takes place within those bonds of marriage established by the Lord. 
However, few earthly experiences require more effort than this to keep natural physical impulses in harmony with the profound aspirations of the soul. No one can state, I will follow the Lord with all my heart, and at the same time maintain, I can do whatever I want with my body. These two things are intimately connected. The manner in which you use or abuse the sacred power of procreation will be a key factor in determining your happiness and your spiritual progress, both in this life and in the eternities to come. I plead with you to always remain sexually pure and to channel your natural, God-given passions into the service of your highest spiritual aspirations. No immediate pleasure warrants jeopardizing the eternal promises you hold so dear. No fleeting satisfaction is worth compromising the trust placed in you by your Heavenly Father and by your current or future spouse. Please remember that one of the essential objectives of your earthly existence is for your spirits or our spirits to take control of the physical elements of our lives so both can work in harmony to serve higher and eternal purposes. It is one of the conditions we must fulfill to find true happiness in this life and inherit eternal glory. At the end of the written tale of Beauty and the Beast, when the beast changes into a handsome prince, a fairy appears and whispers to Belle these marvelous words. Beauty, come and receive the reward of your judicious choice. You have preferred virtue before either wit or beauty and deserve to find a person in whom all these qualifications are united. You are going to be a great queen. Close quote. I know that God and His Son, Jesus Christ, live and love us with an infinite love. In choosing virtue as a standard by which you bring into harmony your physical and spiritual inheritances, you will qualify yourselves to one day become kings and queens in the eternal kingdom prepared by our Father in heaven and receive of His fullness and of His glory. This is His greatest desire for you. To this I testify, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Our theme today is the physical and spiritual natures of our bodies. We've just heard from Gerald Cosset. After the break, we'll return with Keith J. Karen for Ultimate Health, God's Gift and Our Personal Responsibility. This is Finding Center, a daily hour of spiritual focus. Our theme today is the physical and spiritual natures of our bodies. Next is Keith J. Karen, BYU Professor of Health Sciences at the time of this address, titled Ultimate Health, God's Gift and Our Personal Responsibility. Brothers and sisters, what an incredible opportunity is mine this morning to share with those I love and with those I really have deep concern for, to share a message with you that I believe is very timely and important. I'm very aware of George Burns' secret of a good sermon, 
It is to have a good beginning and a good ending and having them as close together as possible. <laughs> this morning I'm feeling humble as a child. I hope I can also speak with the simple conviction of a child, like the child I heard about just the other day. A little girl was talking to her elementary school teacher about whales. She had just learned about Jonah and the whale in her Sunday school class. The teacher said it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because even though it was a very large mammal, its throat was very small. The little girl stated that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Irritated, the teacher reiterated that a whale could not swallow a human. It was physically impossible. The little girl said, when I get to heaven, I will ask Jonah. The teacher said, what if Jonah went to hell? The little girl replied, then you ask him. <laughs> Father in heaven is sending strong spirits like this little girl to earth at this critical time in the history of the world to build his kingdom and prepare for the second coming of the Savior. He needs the leaders of this generation to be healthy, energetic, and powerful. Those leaders are you. Are you healthy? One of my health science students answered that question with the following quote. As a university student, this is a time in my life wherein it is common to live a fairly unhealthy lifestyle. At Brigham Young University, this is not often in regard to the excessive use of alcohol, illegal drugs, and promiscuous sexual relations, but rather lack of sleep, poor nutrition, heavy workloads, and increased stress. Can you relate to that description? What an incredible time to be on the earth, and with great opportunity comes great responsibility. Our Father knows each of us personally and has provided the gifts to allow us to be as healthy as we need to be to accomplish our individual purposes during this earth life. The examples of a loving Father blessing His children with gifts of health and healing are many. Here are but three. One, the tender mercies of a father who provides healing plants to his ailing children in Alma 46 and 40. Two, the gift of the stones of light for the Jaredite boats. Rachel Naomi Remen, M.D., in her classic book, My Grandfather's Blessings, says this image of a people sailing through heavy seas in search of freedom, steering only by the light that the touch of God kindles in their souls, is a particularly beautiful one for me. I find that the most moving part of the Mormon Exodus story is a single line. Despite the challenges and great difficulties of this sea journey, the wind always blows in the direction of the promised land. I have seen many people spread their sails and catch this wind. There is a grace in life that can be trusted. In our struggle toward freedom, we are neither abandoned nor alone." Unquote. Three is my personal blessing of health and my patriarchal blessing. It says, I bless your body that it will be strong and well, and I promise you that if you will live the law of health, the destroying angel will pass you by and not harm you. And when diseases are prevalent upon the land, they will have no effect upon you, and you will be a living testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember this promise, Brother Karen, for it will be fulfilled. Like any other opportunity, the gifts that produce good health require personal involvement. Gifts conjure up thoughts of Christmas. Let's use the power of imagery in this 90-degree weather to put you with your family gathered about the beautifully decorated tree and the carefully wrapped gifts. 
Your father had planned and chosen a special gift for you and knew how important this gift would be to your future. There it was, beautifully covered and waiting for you to open it, but you just didn't get around to opening it on Christmas Day or the next day or the next. It just stood in the corner gathering dust. How do you think your father would feel? The great potential of the gift could not function on your behalf. The gift to be opened is the gift of health. The gift of the gospel lived is the gift of health. What is health and wellness? Well, it all depends on who you talk to. Mark Twain said, Be careful about reading health books. You may die of a misprint. <laughs> health is a very broad term involved in every dimension of our lives. Dr. Edward Taub says, Wellness has been referred to as the dance of life that celebrates infinite and eternal harmony. It is the dynamic activity of caring for your body as a home for your soul. The rich quality of striving to fulfill your highest potential and the elevating state of filling your life with love. To achieve wellness is to attain the point of balance where the energies of body, mind, and spirit are so finely attuned to each other that distinctions between them fade away. Others define health as an attitude or orientation comprised of, one, our basic values, and two, our beliefs about ourselves and the world around us. An inner quality that gives rise to particular health practices but cannot be reduced to those practices itself. Here in America, we become quite confused by health issues. For example, only in America do people order double cheeseburgers, large fries, and a 32-ounce Diet Coke. Factors that affect our health include, among others, genetics, family, and socioeconomic background, diet, exercise, social support, risk-taking behaviors, attitude, and spiritual practices. New health issues and challenges seem to surface every month. Developing new drugs and procedures are a constant challenge. Yet the real answer is a life centered in the gift, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does the gift really work? Are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints healthier as a group than most Americans? The answer is a resounding yes. Well-designed studies continue to conclude that active LDS men and women experience lower mortality rates from all types of disease. While the studies are numerous, I will quote just a few. Koenig, McCullough, and Larson report in their text, Religion and Health, the following, and I summarize. One, Mormons had 35% lower mortality from coronary artery disease. Two, Mormons had fewer cardiovascular diseases and lower mortality rates. Quote, Thus, much of the health benefit that Mormons enjoy can be explained by their positive health behaviors and regular religious involvement. Three, California Mormons experience only about one-half to three-quarters of the cancer death rates of other Californians. A number of these cancer sites were unrelated to smoking. Four very religiously active Mormons had fewer deaths than less religiously active Mormons, who had fewer deaths than inactive Mormons. My own colleague in the Department of Health Science, Dr. Ray Merrill, with Dr. Sterling Hilton of the Department of Statistics, conducted a study on the differences in life expectancy between LDS and non-LDS in Utah for the years 1994 to 1998. The following tables identify that at every age group, LDS men and women live longer and have a higher survival percentage than non-LDS men and women. Now, these data are for all LDS people. If only the active LDS population were studied, the differences would be even more profound.
How then does religion, and specifically the LDS religion, have such a positive impact on health? Health lies at the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is not just physical well-being. Rather, it encompasses the whole person, physical, mental, emotional, social, and spiritual. Our Savior is the source of all health and the source of an abundant life. His gospel, religion from Laguerre, a Latin term meaning binding man to God, protects health through social integration and support, more concern for others and less prejudice, and more forgiving, developing a personal relationship with deity, providing a framework of meaning by which to make sense of life, enhancing mental health, and promoting specific patterns of personal lifestyle. A powerful example of this last point is the 89th section of the Doctrine and Covenants. In 1833, the Prophet Joseph, upon initial motivation from Emma, inquired of the Lord concerning health. What he received from the Lord was a revelation on good health. Scientific evidence to support the 89th section was well over 100 years away. What a testament the word of wisdom is that the Lord loves his children deeply and is personally concerned about their health. Science today has developed a theoretical model describing how religion affects physical health. Observe how religion positively affects mental health, social support, and health behaviors to reduce the development of the diseases listed. Living the gospel of Jesus Christ, then, can make our lives longer, healthier, and happier. In the early part of the 20th century, President Joseph F. Smith observed that the fruits of the Latter-day Saint religion, quote, are flavored with the sweets of heaven, and they impart health and life to the soul, unquote. Some 80 years later, President Ezra Taft Benson stated that, quote, to be truly fit, truly equal to the demands of life, requires much more than bodily strength. It involves the mind and the training of the mind, the emotions and their use and control. Yes, and it involves the soul and the spiritual growth, too." Unquote. These prophets of God understood a great truth of life. The total health is the product of an intimate connection between mind, body, and spirit. To be truly healthy is to value and nurture each of these important ingredients of the human soul. As Elder Neil A. Maxwell taught, Jesus, the great physician, came to heal the spiritually sick, all of us. That the Savior in the Church can offer spiritual healing has been commonly accepted through the ages. What is new about scientific curiosity is the unexpected finding that religion itself heals physically. Religion energizes our spirits, and that greatly affects our emotions, a very important part of health. Dr. Candace Pert an internationally known scientist who, by her discovery of the opiate receptor site in the brain, set medical science in the direction of understanding that it is our emotions and their biological components that establishes the crucial link between mind and body. She states, For me, the key concept is that the emotions exist in the body as informational chemicals, the neuropeptides and receptors, and they also exist in another realm, the one we experience as feeling, inspiration, love, beyond the physical. The emotions move back and forth, flowing freely between both places, and in that sense, they connect the physical and non-physical. We know that the way health occurs in the physical body has to do with the flow of the biochemicals of emotion. My work has taught me that there is a physical reality to the emotions. 
When the servants of God teaches about health and healing, however, the message has a grander scope than just those things physical. Elder Malcolm S. Jepson, a practicing physician for more than 40 years, and then a member of the 70s, said at the April 1994 General Conference that physicians do not cure patients. Quote, this marvelous and complicated machine we call the human body has built into it its own wonderful healing mechanism. All a physician can do is provide a good healing environment. I soon learned in my medical practice that the ultimate healing process for an injured or sick body was already provided by our Heavenly Father. I also learned that a patient's attitude has much to do with healing. Those who would rely on Heavenly Father and exercise faith in the power of the priesthood often enjoyed faster recoveries. Created after the image of a Divine Father, the human body can be conceived of as a self-healer, endowed with an internal supply of chemicals and hormones that maintain and enhance health. Activated by the power of the priesthood, the immune system can heal. The spirit can mobilize the body as it absorbs the lessons of mortality. As Elder Orson F. Whitney told early members of the Church, no pain that we suffer, no trial that we experience is wasted. It ministers to our education, to the development of such qualities as patience, faith, fortitude, and humility. All that we suffer and all that we endure, especially when we endure it patiently, builds up our characters, purifies our hearts, expands our souls, and makes us more tender and charitable, more worthy to be called the children of God. Western medicine regards disease and death as a dastardly enemy to be fought with all resources possible. Wonderful people do suffer and die. However, Elder Jepson of the Seventy points out the importance of recognizing the Lord's will when he said, quote, The Lord has given a condition for healing blessings. He that hath faith in me to be healed and is not appointed unto death shall be healed, even when a person relies on faith in the Lord for blessings. If it is his or her appointed time to die, there will not be a restoration of health. Indeed, death must come upon all men to fulfill the merciful plan of the great Creator. President Spencer W. Kimball strengthens this position as he adds, Bones can be straightened, germs can be killed, sutures can close wounds, and skillful fingers can open and close bodies. But no man yet has found a way to actually heal. Man is the offspring of God and has within him the recreating power that is God-given. We have discussed the impact of religion in general and the gospel of Jesus Christ on health. More specifically, what are these gifts from a loving Father in heaven that have such a profoundly positive effect on health? 1. Faith. Faith is the assurance we have of things not seen. Faith protects health and promotes healing by strengthening the body against the physical changes that can accompany stress. In the same way, it can even affect the course of disease. A review of studies confirms the power of faith over physiological processes. Faith has been shown to influence microbes, plants, animals, and human beings, even from a distance. These studies, combined with personal experiences, have resulted in a growing appreciation of faith among members of the medical community. 2. Social support and relationships Researchers who conducted a nine-year study of more than 7,000 California residents were able to identify a single factor that most often led to good health and long life—the amount of social support a person enjoys.
They concluded that people with social ties, regardless of their source, lived longer than people who were isolated. And people who have a close-knit network of intimate personal ties with other people seem to be able to avoid disease, maintain higher levels of health, and in general, to deal more successfully with life's difficulties. Number three, marriage and families. Not only does the family bring spiritual rewards, but it has a strong influence on the health of all members of the family. We know from scientific research that members of weak, stressed families have characteristic health problems. Members of strong, healthy families most often enjoy good health. And parents have a tremendous influence on the health and development of children in the family. Statistics from a multitude of studies show the same thing. Happy marriage dramatically increases life expectancy. In fact, a man who marries can expect to automatically add about nine years and seven months to his life. One researcher went so far as to say that some of the increased death rates in unmarried people are astounding, rising as high as ten times the rates for married people of the same ages. The researcher sums up, the overall death rate for divorced individuals in the United States is almost double that of married individuals. Number four is altruism, serving others. A group of studies done on altruism found that people who care for others are physically, emotionally, and mentally healthier than those who concentrate more on their own needs. Many researchers believe that altruism is an inborn characteristic intended to help boost health and longevity. Mother Teresa sums up the power of altruism with this. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you've got, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Number five, healthy life perception. To know who we are and why we are here is essential to good health. Goethe declared, The greatest evil that can befall man is that he should come to think ill of himself. Nelson Mandela reminds us who we are in a quote from his now-famous inaugural speech of 1994. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Six, humor and laughter. Further research on laughter has revealed what may be one of its most important benefits. It apparently enhances the immune system. Laughter appears to boost the production of chemicals that enhance immunity, and it suppresses the hormones that weaken immunity, the stress hormones. 
Psychologist Robert Ornstein and physician David Sobel point out when confronted with a threatening situation, animals have essentially two choices, to flee or fight. Humans have a third alternative, to laugh. (laughs) Number seven, hope. Recently, a photo entitled The Hand of Hope was sent to me that typifies hope. The tiny hand of 21-week-old fetus, Samuel Alexander Armas, who had spina bifida, emerges from the mother's uterus to grasp the finger of Dr. Joseph Bruner, as if thanking the doctor for the gift of life. Little Samuel's mother said they wept for days when they saw the picture. She said, the photo reminds us, my pregnancy isn't about disability or an illness. It's about a little person. A report published in Medical World News claimed that hope can play an important role in vulnerability to disease, the course of illness, and possibly in determining whether a patient lives or dies. Norman Cousins is perhaps best known for his research into what he called the biology of hope. He explained that hope is actually tremendous expectation and that it has a powerful influence on the human body. Of the Lord Jesus Christ, Elder Bruce R. McConkie wrote, In and through and by and because of him, we and all men have a hope of peace in this life and eternal glory in the world to come. He is our hope. Without him, we would have no hope of immortality, no hope of eternal life, no hope of the continuation of the family unit, no hope of eternal progress, no hope of exaltation, no hope of any good thing. All the hopes of the righteous of all the ages center in him. Number eight, spirituality. Spirituality is, according to Dallin H. Oaks, the consequence of a succession of right choices. The spiritual is the deepest sense of belonging and participating. Spirit is an essential need of human nature. The essence is the light of Christ. Rachel Naomi Remen. Spirituality buffers stress, making us better able to resist and fight disease. Healing is made possible by the light of Christ because, as President David O. McKay wrote, man is a spiritual being, a soul, and at some period of his life, everyone is possessed with an irresistible desire to know his relationship to the infinite. There is something within him which urges him to rise above himself, to control his environment, to master the body and all things physical, and live in a higher and more beautiful world. One of the reasons spirituality impacts physical health is that people with a deep sense of spirituality stop focusing on themselves and start focusing on others, an attitude that promotes health in general. As the Savior taught, he that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Number nine, forgiveness. Forgiveness and the failure to forgive affects not only the mind and the spirit, but the body. When we don't forgive, the body pumps high-voltage chemicals into the bloodstream. They include chemicals like adrenaline, noradrenaline, and cortisone. As these chemicals build up in the bloodstream, the body literally becomes a rapidly ticking time bomb. The heart pounds in the chest like a sledgehammer. The muscles of the neck and shoulders gradually tighten. Abdominal pains develop. If the situation continues unchecked, the body pays the price. The person who fails to forgive becomes a candidate for gastric ulcers, gastritis, irritable bowel syndrome, and tension vascular headaches. Forgiveness reverses the process. Anger and resentment dissolve. The body stops pouring high-voltage chemicals into the bloodstream. The heart rate drops. Muscle tension eases. The healing begins. 
Without forgiveness, we are constrained. When we forgive, we become free. Studies reveal the following about forgiveness. Forgiveness leads to less stress. Forgiveness leads to fewer physical symptoms of stress. Failure to forgive may be more important than hostility as a risk factor for heart disease. People who blame other people for their troubles have higher incidences of illnesses such as cardiovascular disease and cancers. People who imagine not forgiving someone show negative changes in blood pressure, muscle tension, and immune response. People who imagine forgiving their offender note immediate improvement in their cardiovascular, muscular, and nervous systems. Even people with devastating losses can learn to forgive and feel better psychologically and emotionally. Prayer. Prayer signals a commitment to a set of moral and ethical values. It is a signpost of spirituality and is at the core of most spiritual experiences. Though mortals have been praying for thousands of years, points out Elder Neil A. Maxwell, prayer is not something we can clinically diagnose and dissect, giving ready answers for every question about every dimension of this great process. What we can do is examine the effects of prayer. Obviously, prayer exerts tremendous spiritual power. We know that prayer can precipitate miracles, the miracle of forgiveness, the miracle of healing, the miracle of a change of heart. In addition to what prayer does for the soul, though, we know that prayer also has powerful physical benefits. When we pray, we are in a state of relaxed alertness, peace, joy, contentment, and emotional release. During prayer, we empty the mind, yet we receive direction. Part of the magnetism of prayer comes from our own belief, our own faith, the powerful suggestion that prayer will work, that something will happen. Prayer helps us to meditate, which also relieves stress. Dr. Annalee Smith, a Salt Lake City physician, says that when people pray, they're focusing on their deepest values and drawing on spiritual power that develops a sense of connectedness and also develops hope, and that has been known to affect medical outcomes. The mind has the ability to heal in ways that are largely unexplainable. Dr. Larry Dossie, a leading medical proponent of prayer, says, You think positively, and positive thoughts aren't confined to your brain. They set in motion a chain of events that has been defined physiologically. We know that expectation and suggestion achieve a lot of fabulous changes in the immune system and probably every other organ in the body. When you get into a meditative, prayer-like, contemplative frame of mind, The metabolism slows down, the immune system is refreshed, blood pressure and heart rate subside, blood lactate levels fall, and oxygen consumption and carbon dioxide production are diminished. A lot of changes happen, the result of which is that the body becomes healthier. But most people probably aren't interested in that level. They want to know, when I pray, does it work or not? I think that if you look at the evidence, you can resoundingly say, yep, this has a healthful effect And here's the laboratory proof. President Hunter invited us all to become more like Christ, more kind, more courteous, more forgiving. In a recent state conference in Highland, Utah, President Merrill Bateman promised the state members that we can become more like Christ if we would do the following each day. One is pray to the Father morning and night, then listen and meditate. Two is study His scriptures at least ten minutes per day and learn of Him. President Benson added another promise here. There is a power in the book which will begin to flow in your lives the moment you begin a serious study of the book. You will find the power to avoid deception. You will find the power to stay on the straight and narrow path. The scriptures are called the words of life, and nowhere is that more true than it is in the Book of Mormon. Number three is to keep his commandments. 
And number four is to perform a service to someone every day. In closing, brothers and sisters, do I have a testimony of that which I speak? The answer is a resounding yes. A number of months ago, it was discovered that I had prostate cancer. Before that rude awakening, I had lived a healthy lifestyle and sought to know the Savior. I also knew that the Lord had a definite timetable for each of us. I had great faith that the right thing would occur. President Gordon B. Hinckley assures us God is weaving his tapestry according to his own grand design. All flesh is in his hands. We have no need to fear. We have no need to worry. I also have an incredible family and a sweetheart that is so tuned to the Spirit. Therefore, my social connectedness was and is great. Through fasting and prayer and exploring the various treatment options, with an excellent physician, I made a decision and felt great peace. My spirit told me all would be well. For I still had much to do. With the help of many, I prepared my mind, body, and spirit and have been greatly blessed with excellent results. Last week, I visited my parents' gravesite in a little cemetery in Tabor, Alberta. As I scanned other headstones, I saw the names of several of my now-deceased high school classmates. I know that living the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gift of health and a quality of life. I bear my testimony to you that our Father in Heaven desires us to be joyful and well, to nurture and care for the garden that was entrusted to each of us. He needs a healthy people and has given us the gifts and abilities to be so. It is our responsibility to open those gifts and use them. May we do so, I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, the author of all health and healing. Amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Join us every weekday for an hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was the physical and spiritual natures of our bodies with thoughts from Gerald Cosset and Keith J. Karen. Find links to the full text, audio, and video of these addresses at byuradio.org slash findingcenter. Finding Center is a production of BYU Broadcasting.